Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays. Wherever you may be across this great country or this great land, we have got a lot to dive into, but I want to give you good news right off the top. I am told that Michigan is going to officially allow sports gambling come Friday. That is, any of you in the state of Michigan or any of you close to the borders of the state of Michigan who are watching this right now, whether you're in the lower P or the UP, whether you are in this part of your hand or another part of your hand, my wife is from Michigan, so I know a lot of Michigan-related lingo, you are now able to gamble on sports. FanDuel.com slash Clay. Virginia, you're about to be legal. And you're already legal in Tennessee, Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, Michigan, and Virginia. But Michigan this week, Virginia, they're still figuring out exactly what day it's going to start. You should go sign up right now. You can get up to a $1,000 free wager on the AFC or the NFC Championship game. FanDuel.com slash Clay. Let me repeat that one more time fanduel.com slash my name Clay go get signed up today and you will be well on your way hopefully to making sports a little bit more fun by having sports gambling in your community fanduel.com slash Clay Okay Update on the Tennessee coaching search All different sorts of rumors All different sorts of fun We've been through this before Lane Kiffin Derek Dooley Butch Jones Uh, And finally, Jeremy Pruitt, I am here to tell you there is a lot of interest in this job. Talent is not bad on the young side of the Tennessee roster. There are a lot of coaches, many of whom are very successful reaching out to express their interest in the University of Tennessee job. I understand all the national media likes to run around and do their dumpster fire write-ups and they're going to take their shots at the University of Tennessee fan base and everything else. I'm here to tell you lots of good interests. Now, they've got to decide who the athletic director is and then they have to avoid bungling the hire. But there are a lot of good options. More good options right now in terms of names that I have heard that are in the mix than have been in the mix since the very first hire after Phil Fulmer was fired when Lane Kiffin was hired. There are a lot of different guys out there head coaches at other programs that are very interested in being the University of Tennessee coach. They know that they have a long list so don't buy into the doom and gloom out there. There is a wide variety of highly successful coaches that are interested in taking over the Tennessee job. Now, they just need to avoid bungling it. And my hope is that they can hire a competent athletic director and then that athletic director can manage to run a search that makes sense. Uh, And uh, just trust me on this. What do I always say? I am the source. People say, what's your source? I am the source. I could show you the people I've been talking to on my phone and you would say, oh, 
I'm kind of excited about this. Trust me on this. Lots of people reaching out. Lots of people interested in the Tennessee job. Good hire, I believe, can and should be made to eventually replace Jeremy Pruitt. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get involved in saying who I think exactly should be the hire because there are a bunch of different options. If it gets to the point where I think Tennessee is overlooking somebody that I know wants the job and that I think should be the hire, then I'll dive in full force. But right now, I'm going to let them make the choice of who the athletic director should be and then hopefully that athletic director will make the right decision when they see all of the different options that are out there available to potentially be the next head football coach at Tennessee. So, I'll continue to update you as we go along. Just know that I'm very optimistic. There's a really good list of candidates. I know specifically, based on my own interaction, a lot of names that I would be ecstatic for the University of Tennessee to hire. Uh, I think Tennessee is going to be poised to make their best hire, which may not be saying a lot, that they have made since Phil Fulmer left. And I think there's a good chance that Tennessee is going to end up with a more accomplished head coach than they have hired since Johnny Majors. Johnny Majors obviously had already won a national championship with Tony Dorsett. That was before my day uh, when they really went and hired Johnny Majors at Tennessee. Uh, But I believe that there is a very good chance if you think about it Phil Fulmer was an offensive coordinator at Tennessee when he was hired. Uh, Lane Kiffin relatively short-lived experience as a head football coach of the Oakland Raiders at the time that he was hired. Derek Dooley was the head coach of uh, whatever it was Louisiana, Monroe, or Lafayette or whichever one it was whichever one it was back in the day coming off a 4-8 and eight season. Uh, Butch Jones at Cincinnati look, probably the most accomplished head coach that they had hired certainly and Jeremy Pruitt was the former defensive coordinator at Florida State, Georgia, and Alabama. I think whoever they hire here is going to be the most accomplished head coach in terms of the most success that any head coach has had since Tennessee hired uh, Johnny Majors back in I believe it was the 1970s it was before I was born. So that is where uh, we are going right now based on what I am hearing on the Tennessee coaching search. You don't want to believe me, you don't have to. I am the source. If you trust me, if you trust my, uh, my, uh, my uh, reporting, uh, the things that I've told you over the years tend to be right. Uh, I'm telling you things I feel very good about here. Okay, uh, this is a big deal, I think. And it should be getting a lot of attention given the fact that everybody wants to praise the NBA for being a woke sports league. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad to see the players use their voices. I'm so glad for the coaches to be speaking out. Everybody in the NBA over the last four years has decided to get extremely political. I want you to keep tabs on this. How many NBA players will mention that the United States State Department has now labeled China as a genocidal country for the way that they are treating their Muslim minority Uyghur population in China? How many of them will actually have the stones to say anything positive at all about the United States trying to hold China accountable for what's going on in their country? People want to talk and by the way you say why do you care? The NBA is making billions of dollars from China. This is like taking money from the Nazis back in the day. Okay? Uh, This is a big failure of the NBA product and everybody wants to speak out. They wouldn't support back in the day democracy in Hong Kong now democracy in Hong Kong severely under siege when Daryl Morey came out and said something they shut up and dribbled for Chairman Z. They were so offended at the idea that they shouldn't speak politically anytime somebody would say hey I don't know that these NBA guys really know coaches and players that much about politics they were so offended by the idea that they shouldn't speak out well here is the greatest human rights violation of our era 
And instead of speaking out against it, the NBA is taking billions of dollars. I'm reading uh, from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I have determined, this is a tweet that he sent this morning, I have determined the People's Republic of China is committing genocide and crimes against humanity, uh, targeting Uyghur Muslims and uh, and members of other ethnic and religious minority groups. These acts are an affront to the Chinese people and to civilized nations everywhere. The People's Republic of China and the CCP must be held to account. Will Steve Kerr speak out on this? Will, uh, uh, Will Greg Popovich? Will LeBron James? Will anybody that is making substantial sums of money based on human rights violations in China actually be willing to come out in support of basic human rights? Okay? And basic human decency. Will any NBA player, coach, or league organization come out against Chinese genocide? These guys want to talk about how brave they are for all of the political stands that they are taking. Well, the truth of the matter is they are blatant hypocrites. They speak out loudly when they make more money by speaking out loudly when they are preaching to the choir. But when it comes to actually standing up to modern-day Nazis in China, to concentration camps and to genocide and to religious persecution, they say nothing. When it comes to pointing out that their shoes and their apparel are being many times manufactured with virtual slave labor wages, they say nothing. When their own pocketbook is threatened, they don't care about basic human rights because LeBron James wants his movie to be on in, uh, in Chinese theaters and he doesn't want to get blacklisted by the Communist Party in China so he will sell out all American values for a couple of more bucks in his pocket. This is shameful. Okay? And the reason why it's a story is because the NBA has decided that they're more than athletes. That they're going to speak out about political related issues. And if you won't condemn genocide as determined by the United States State Department why should we listen to you on any political opinions anywhere when you will turn a blind eye to the most flagrant transgressions of basic human rights that are existing anywhere in the world because it impacts your pocketbook and you won't say a word about that. It's pathetic. And by the way, the NBA media is complicit in this because none of them will say anything either. They all want Adam Silver to keep returning their phone calls. They all want Adam Silver to keep giving them interviews and texting them back. And they want their GM contacts and they want their coach contacts so they won't call out Steve Kerr and they won't call out Greg Popovich and Doc Rivers and all these different guys out there, LeBron James and company, who are all weighing in on politics all the time, they won't say a word about genocide. This is the equivalent of being upset at whatever political issues were going on in the United States of America back in the 1930s and 40s and being perfectly fine with Nazi concentration camps. That's what's kind of going on right now. The Chinese government is the modern day Nazis of our society. There's so much talk about being on the right side of history, right? All the social justice warriors like to get on Twitter and talk about how they're on the right side of history. Oh, my Instagram picture. Look at me marching. I'm on the right side of history. Being on the right side of history is actually standing up to people in positions of power who are taking advantage of minority groups based on their race, their religion, and everything else. 
concentration camps in China, kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Basic human rights, democracy in Hong Kong, kind of a big deal. Crickets from the NBA, their players and their coaches and their commissioner because they make billions of dollars. Chairman Z in China is telling them to shut up and dribble and they're doing it for him. Big story here. Most in the media will ignore. If you want to use your platform, use it. Don't pretend that you're making a difference when you're only lining your own pocket. Um, this is a big story. Uh, I saw it come out yesterday uh, late night so it did uh, continue to grow this morning. Uh, the Mets' new GM. Thank God for the New York Mets to always be uh, taking Tennessee football out of the headlines. Uh, New York Mets GM candidate uh, or current GM Porter his last name is Porter had uh, with a foreign reporter had a series of text messages which were uncomfortable to read. And let me just say this right off the top. If you are a guy and you text a woman twice and she does not respond to you maybe don't text her again. And by the way that could also go for girls. I, I don't really understand this like the idea that you would send 60 text messages in a row without a response is super creepy it's super obsessive and it is super weird. If there's any guy that needs to hear that I want you to look directly into my eyes. If you think that sending someone 60 straight text messages without a response is normal behavior trust me it is not. I actually after I read this story I went through I don't know that I have ever texted anyone three times in a row without getting a response back including my own wife. If my wife doesn't respond to two straight text messages from me I pick up my phone and I might call her or I might just presume that she's busy and not need to reach out to her again. That's my wife who I've been married to for let me get this right so I don't get in trouble uh, math I got married in 2004 I have been married for six, going on 17 years alright I've been married for 16 going on 17 years to my wife I don't think I've ever sent her more than two text messages in a row without getting a response certainly I have never sent any woman or man for that matter five text messages in a row in my entire life without getting a response for any reason at all. This is weird behavior. So if you are a man and again I think men are more likely to be obsessive texters than women but the relationship would be the same if you're a woman and you're watching this and you're doing it that's not normal. Don't do it. Okay? It is a super weird thing to do that makes everybody uncomfortable and I get it because in my industry exchanging phone numbers is commonplace because you're constantly talking with people or interacting and oftentimes people are busy so you text back and forth. I mean I book my entire radio show via text pretty much uh, and it's made my life infinitely easier in terms of being able to get guests and get everything done. But if I text somebody three times, two times and I don't get a response about whether they can come on the show like they're scheduled to do I don't keep texting them over and over again. And that's somebody that I already have a relationship with. This is really weird. Okay? If someone is interested in you let me just say this. If you are interested in finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend they'll text you back. If they're not texting you back it's a pretty clear indication that they're not interested in you. And by the way do you know the best possible way 
to have a lot of people interested in you don't seem that interested in them. There are a lot of guys out there that go way over the top to make it so readily apparent that they're interested in girls. And I can speak from the guy perspective obviously a lot better than I can the girl perspective. It's sexy to be a little bit unavailable. It's sexy to have something going on and not instantaneously respond all day long every day to somebody's incessant texts. And so this is just super weird. Like I felt bad for the girl who was involved here but I also felt like the guy who was involved was just so cringy uncomfortable this GM for the Mets that maybe there's a lot of guys out there that don't realize how weird it is to be sending girls this many texts without responses. Trust me. If a girl is interested in you she will give you some indication of that interest. And that indication of interest will come long before you text her 60 consecutive times without a response. So if you are watching this right now and you are ever double digit texting anybody without getting any responses you need to seriously look in the mirror and examine what you understand about basic social interaction and what is and what is not considered normal. Because this is super abnormal behavior from this GM. And I hope in the four years since this whole thing happened that he has actually gotten back to some semblance of normalcy in his life. Obviously, it's humiliating and embarrassing for him but it should be humiliating and embarrassing for any other guy who has found himself in a similar position where you look at your phone and there's a long text thread of you sending messages and nobody responding it's probably a sign that you're behaving in an abnormal fashion stop doing it whether you are a guy or a girl out there. Um, Speaking of abnormal I I don't even know how this happens Um, I will scroll through Twitter every now and then um, and uh, check the news whatnot. I don't really read my mentions very often anymore unless I want to get a laugh or unless I just dive in for a few minutes here and I try to favorite people who have said funny things but I don't respond that often to people sending me messages. But I noticed today as I was getting ready for the show and I was checking all the latest news stories I noticed today that somebody had retweeted outside the lines a story that ESPN was doing and that I wasn't able to see it. And this is wild to me. It turns out that outside the lines which is an ESPN journalistic arm had blocked me from their Twitter account. I don't remember ever interacting with any outside the lines story at ESPN ever before. But this is emblematic of what I am seeing from journalists every now and then who are super left-wing on Twitter. A bunch of these losers have blocked me because I'll see their tweet and it'll say that I'm blocked as I'm scrolling through Twitter and I've never actually interacted with them in any way. This is really weird behavior. And it's emblematic unfortunately of I think what has happened in this society which is if anybody challenges your prevailing worldview or makes you consider an opinion that is different than yours instead of being an adult and considering what that opinion might be and re-examining what you might actually believe you cover your ears and you say na 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 and pretend that only your opinion is correct. Now I talk about this all the time. 
it's important if you are intellectually sound to challenge your own beliefs every single day. I, I, and I'm old school in this. One way that I do this is I read the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal cover to cover every single day. And when you get to the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal and the editorial page of the New York Times you would believe we live in a totally different world. But in order to be confident in your view you need to be constantly challenging yourself with people who have different views. This is what lawyers do all day long every day. And I understand that some of you are very feeble-minded and you can't handle dueling perspectives in your brain and you can't handle the idea that someone might have a good argument contrary to what you believe. The reason why I destroy people who are typically far left-wing and come on my radio program is because, like the Peter Kings of the world, they are so intellectually unsound that they haven't been challenging their own beliefs for years. They live in echo chambers where people constantly tell them that they are right because their brains are fragile and they aren't able to have dueling opinions, warring opinions going on in their brain every single day. And the person who is going to win a debate is the person who already knows the arguments of the other side and has decided that they are incorrect by the time he or she goes public with their own opinions. That's your boy here. The reason why I crush everybody that I get into debates with is because I would actually be better at making their argument than they would. You could tap me on the shoulder and say Clay, you're now an advocate for the woke perspective and I could make the argument better than they can. You can't reach logical strong conclusions unless you can anticipate the arguments of the other side. And that's what I do every single day. And when I see things like what Outside the Lines is doing how in the world can you promise to pursue truth in journalism if you are not even allowing the person who is probably running the single most influential business in sports media right now. You can hate me. You can hate OutKick. If you see our traffic and you see the amount of influence that we are having on a day-to-day basis I think it's impossible for anyone to argue that of all the independent sites out there that are actually influencing debate and discussion today that anybody's even close to OutKick. I mean that honestly. We are 100% independent. I own the company and we are having more of an impact than any other independent sports media site on the internet. Whether you love or hate us that's irrefutably true. So how in the world can you claim to cover serious stories in journalism if you're not covering even allowing yourself to see what I am saying on a day-to-day basis? It's really a fascinating failure of ESPN that frankly should be embarrassing to anybody who produces content at Outside the Lines. It's really a shameful perspective but I see it reflected very often in so many other places out there from so many other people in my industry who I've never interacted with and they have me blocked because I am challenging their prevailing worldview and frankly what I also believe is 
they recognize in the back of their minds how feeble their arguments are and how weak their perspectives are and when every time I see that somebody has me blocked that I've never interacted with or anything else I absolutely love it. I just kind of chuckle to myself because I just chalk it up as another win. Now some people are like well you sometimes block people on Twitter. Yeah I do. If I go into mentions and I see that somebody is in my mentions intentionally stupidly trolling in the mentions I block. If you're an anonymous Twitter account that has no audience why should I allow you to only have an audience to antagonize people intentionally inside of my mentions? I don't spend a lot of time in my mentions but if I scroll through and I see you and I see that that's what you're doing I just block you. And I think that's furthering the conversation in general because if you're not willing to put your actual name behind something and you are jumping into Twitter mentions and just arguing with people for argument's sake from an anonymous account I don't think that's remotely helpful. So yeah, every now and then I'll block you. But I don't think I've ever blocked anyone in the world of sports media other than a couple of people that I think have serious psychological issues and somehow got blue check marks and they sent me like 40 messages in a row like I was talking about earlier. If you send somebody 60 texts in a row and they're not responding if you send somebody like 40 tweets in a row and they're not responding to you you're probably psychologically unstable. There are a couple of those dudes that I've had to block. But other than that it just doesn't happen. And to block strangers because I'm triggered by their opinions that they never interact with me and I'm just so upset anytime I see them on my timeline that's how feeble and weak and pathetic many people in the sports media industry are and that's why I think in many ways outside the lines at ESPN is reflective of that mindset. They're not intellectual warriors. They're intellectual cowards. Uh, The NCAA tourney has been moved. This is a change I don't like. Okay? I understand things are constantly changing. The world is not going to stay the exact same as I want it to be. But let me say this. The NCAA tourney should start opening weekend on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday and be done on Sunday. This year the NCAA is moving the traditional tip-off of the tournament first round to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I don't know why they would make this change after 30-40 years of starting on a Thursday and allowing all of us out there to call out of work on a Thursday, Friday. Maybe now people will start calling out of work on a Friday, Monday. But I don't like this move I don't think it's a good one for the NCAA tournament and uh, I think it's going to be a challenge going forward to get people aware that things are adjusting on the fly. Remember, everything is taking place in Indianapolis so you would think given the fact that they're basically playing all of the games right there in Indianapolis they would be able to do the normal Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And this is me being an old guy. One of the best days in school growing up And I bet you guys remember this. And I've talked about it on my radio program before. When I was a kid there used to be a cool teacher and he would wheel in sometimes the television. So see I'm old school. Everybody didn't have a television in their classroom when I was in public school in Nashville. Sometimes you'd have to go uh, rent out the television. Some of you out there watching right now know exactly what I'm talking about. You had to rent out the television and the VCR to show a movie in your class and they would wheel it down the hallway to bring it into the classroom. And there was always a couple of cool teachers out there 
that when you were at school on that opening Thursday or Friday at 11 a.m. Central when they would tip off the games they would put on the game uh, and you would get to watch the NCAA tournament games from school. Some of my fondest memories are of being a kid getting to sit down in class and watch the NCAA tournament on that Thursday or Friday. I still remember some of the teachers that would allow us to do that. And uh, I'm disappointed. Uh, I guess now everybody's doing remote school so maybe the kids will be able to all watch them. And as I got older sometimes my dad would let me stay home from school. Sometimes we would call in sick. Watch those opening games on Thursday and Friday. But being a kid in elementary school being a big sports fan like I was that was tough to beat being able to watch the NCAA tournament. Uh, Finally, word is that Patrick Mahomes is recovering well from his concussion that he has started to pass some of the concussion protocol tests and that things are starting to look positive for his ability to to be able to, uh, to play on Sunday. I hope he's able to play against the Bills in the AFC Championship game. It would be unfortunate if he were not. Uh, you can go bet the AFC Championship games right now. All you have to do is go to fanduel.com slash clay. That's fanduel.com slash clay. Friday, officially supposed to launch in the state of Michigan. Virginia is soon. Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Tennessee, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Colorado, and New Jersey. And we're about to add Michigan and also Virginia. All you have to do is be present in those states. You don't have to live there. You just have to be present in those states to place your bets. Go sign up now up to a $1,000 free roll on your first bet with a deposit at fanduel.com slash clay. This has been Outkick the Show. In about 45 minutes, I'll be on TV with Fox Bet Live. We'll be breaking down the AFC and the NFC Championship games as well as all of the storylines of college basketball and the NBA for your gambling enjoyment tonight. This is Outkick on the Outkick Network.